listen to a new episode of Madhu Einstein's Improvisations on Growth podcast series, this time diving more into the subject of sharing. How can sharing work? Do we share more easily from a surplus or from less? Is the ability to share connected to the amount of wealth? And are wealthy people more detached from the concept of poverty, thus involuntarily sharing less? In order to experience sharing, we need a diversity of experiences. Could it be that neo-capitalism and the free market prevent true innovation because they foster bubbles and thus block diverse experiences? Listen and see where our discussions take you. Do you think, though, it has to do simply with the way some people have, let's say, grown or the the context of their lives for example i've seen people who have had a, a rough financial situation so to speak is there a difference between sharing from a surplus sharing from something that it's not essential to you but at least you think about sharing it as opposed to sharing from something that you and your family really, really need? I was reading a study and I think it was like two months ago or so, so it was quite some time ago, that actually has shown that the more wealth people have, the less they share. And there are stories out there that poor people are so inviting and, and share the few that they have. And so, so those are like two stereotypes. Let, let's say there are two stereotypes. And I think what it does is when I have a certain amount of wealth, then... I, I seem to lose the connection with people who have less. It's not my experience. And maybe I have not experienced it at all. So I cannot imagine what it is not to be able to buy milk or not to have a computer for my child to do online schooling or homeschooling. With, with, with online classes and when, when people live in their bubble and then as the social media as we know enforces our bubbles we are even less exposed to those other experiences and that the life can be so diverse and then it, it's not part of our of our worldview, and and I I don't even think that that people are heartless or careless or whatever. They just cannot imagine how that is. And and this is for for example something that I really really appreciate in Austrian um, cities and villages that most most of the villages and most of parts of the cities are diverse populated. So you, you, 
like in a house, there can be, there, there lives someone who is really rich, but also people who, is the, who are in middle class and also people who kind of sort of struggle. So, so you have a social mixture. And, and this actually helps a society to be aware of all the diversity that a society holds. And I think that this would, that this contributes to more awareness and then eventually, hopefully, to more sharing. I think what you just said to me sounds extremely rare. We seem to be talking about segregation and what I see is probably the most predominant segregation of all is wealth based by wealth because especially in the U.S. you have a rich neighborhood you have a rich neighborhood that's they're all like clustered together you have a big house you have a big house a rich neighborhood but what you're telling me is pretty it's pretty rare and it's surprising that someone who has a lot of wealth would want to live there I think it's part part of the culture. Actually, I haven't I haven't really spent too much thought on it because I've lived in a lot of different cities in Germany and in Austria and then in Prague and then then in the states. But that was a college um, college city. I grew up this way. And for me, it's pretty normal that there is a diversity in how people are living. And I mean, just take, for example, the house we are living in. It's all rental apartments. There's one, one guy here with his partner. He's an architect and he has his own company. He just buys another car for, I don't know, 150,000 euros because he just can. He just ordered um, a yacht uh, designed by his needs and wants. And then there is us, just middle class. And then there is um, a woman um, just living all by herself and, and raising her, her only child, her single child. So... So, so we are all living in this apart, apartment block together. This is a common experience. And it's, it's a good common experience because we meet in the backyard and we, we exchange. And so, so you get a feeling for how different lives are. And, and you, you get to appreciate for the different struggles and, and the, the colorfulness of life. But, but when you live in your gated area and just surround yourself with people that, that are in your social class, then, then I think we seem to, we get myoptic. It just narrows our mind. But there's something that I, I feel like I'm, I'm missing here because I think a lot of people would want to live the way you're saying. So... Something must be happening to allow this, like diverse people financially to live in the same place. Is it like the rent? There's a system in place 
that allows yeah. for that. Yeah, there is a system in place. So I'm living in an old house. It was built 1934, and the rent is cooped. And and that's especially true for, for Vienna. So a lot of the apartments have a regulated rent. So there is no free market, or that's not true. Of course, there is a free market, but a big chunk of the, the free market is regulated so a big chunk is regulated. There's a free market and a big chunk of the, the rent market is regulated. And I think this is what what actually needs to happen. I mean, the idea of the free market and the neo-capitalism for me is just an idea that has not worked out because it's dividing us, it's increasing the gap between the poor and the wealthy. But I also know that still a lot of people think that that's the solution like to everything. Part of our government thinks that. I was just reading that today. And I'm like, no, the, the, the free market, there is no such thing as the invisible hand of the free market. There's just no such thing. It's, uh, and, and we have experienced that for the last, 40 years. So the market needs to be regulated. And for me, that is a that would be a big innovation to see that uh, yeah, to see that. For me, the, the, the COVID crisis is surface, surfacing now all the dysfunctionalities of the, of the free market. And, and, and for me, when people now say, oh, we need to now answer the crisis with even more free market. I'm like, wow, how did you come to that conclusion? For me, that's nonsensical. It's more of the same. And it's not growth. It's not, it's not growth. It's not innovation. And certainly not that kind of innovation that we are talking about. You have listened to a new episode of Improvisations on Growth with Madhu Einsiedler, Business and Life Coach. Has your perception of sharing changed? Maybe our talks of embedded beliefs have brought to surface your own memories of rules and values enforced on you a long time ago. How would you try to change them? Do you find yourself more open to new experiences, including breaking free from old sharing patterns? I welcome you to share your answers with Madhu by emailing her at madhu.einsiedler.at and engage with her on her social media on Facebook and LinkedIn. Remember to remain open to new experiences and to listen to our next episode.